0: When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Three words, hope, health, and soul. Amen by myself. Welcome to Midtown. My name is Ephraim Smith. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to see you here at Midtown Elk Grove at the Rex and Margaret Fortune School. Man. This is a great location. This is a great location for us. One church in two locations, Sacramento and Elk Grove, and we are so glad that you are a part of it. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're a first-time visitor, it's like this every Sunday, so keep coming back. Tell your mama, tell your aunties, tell your cousin, tell people you don't like that need Jesus to come check out Midtown Elk Grove, Midtown Elk Grove. So, so uh, glad to uh, be here. So, thank you, uh, Pastor Tyrone and Sister Raquel for having me back again. So, uh, uh, we are in a sermon series right now called, My Dysfunctional Family from Trauma to Transformation. My Dysfunctional Family from Trauma to to transformation. If you've missed any of the sermons in this series, you can go on our website, you can go on our YouTube channel, you can go to our podcast, and you can, you can listen to all the sermons. We're going to be in this series for a while. We've been talking about the family in our homes, and we're going to continue to talk about that today. And then starting next Sunday, we're going to make a transition to the church as family the church's family. So we hope that you'll uh, just stick in the entirety of this series, My Dysfunctional Family, from trauma to transformation. There is a word in the book of James in the New Testament. The book of James in the New Testament, chapter 1. There's a word for us in James chapter 1, beginning with verse 2. And uh, it reads as follows. You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. From this text, I want to preach to you on the title, Storm-Proofing Your Family. Storm-Proofing Your Family. God, I pray that this would be your message that you would be preaching, that I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you've decided to use to say what you want to say. To these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers, God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Stormproofing the family. Um, I would not advise that you try to avoid storms. I I would advise that you should prepare yourself for storms, that you shouldn't wake up and go, I know what the weatherman said yesterday, but the weatherman and the devil is a lie. I don't care what they say. I'm just going to go outside like it's going to be a sunny day. I would not recommend that you act as if storms will not arise, that storms don't come. You should be prepared for storms. You know, it's smart to prepare for storms in advance. Check the weather. Bring an umbrella if you need it. Change your plans if you have to. Storm-proof your house. Get insurance. We should be prepared for storms. But how do we prepare for storms in our families? How do we prepare for storms in the places where we romanticize that storms would never come? I mean, when you're at the altar getting married and some people like to write their own vows and say, I'm going to date you and I'm going to love you and every day is going to be great and I'm going to be here no matter what. You should have just repeated whatever the preacher told you to say at the altar. You're putting too much on it. You're putting too much on it because you're thinking that, oh man, there's never going to be an argument because your marriage is going to be different or this relationship relationship's going to be different, or you're going to raise your kids different, or it's going to be different. And you find that even in family, even in your house, even in the place where there should be trust and love and safety and security, you find yourself occasionally in storms. What kind of storms am I talking about? Because I'm, if I'm talking about storms, you know, like the weather storms, I mean, it could be anything from rain to, to a tornado to a tsunami to a snow blizzard, depending on where you live. You know, a storm could mean anything. And, and storms come in all shapes and sizes in families, too. You know, some storms could just be some conflict. You know, some storms could be Chaos. Some storms could be a crisis. Well, what's the difference between a storm of conflict, a storm of chaos, a storm of crisis in a family? Well, in a storm of conflict, it might just be a disagreement. And you got to decide, is the disagreement going to be solved? You know, can it be solved today? Can it be solved this week? Does it mean I ain't going to talk to you for a little bit? Does it mean like when you say something to me, I'm just going to say, mm-hmm, back to you? Because we in a conflict right now. So some family storms are simply a conflict. But some family storms are chaos, it's, it's gone from a conflict to like there's dysfunction here. Like this is crazy. Like this, I can't handle this. Like I'm overwhelmed. Like I have anxiety and it's hard for me to sleep all through the night because what's going on right now in my family, in my house, it's bigger than just a conflict. It has now become chaos. And sometimes chaos is not because you're a bad person or you did something bad. I mean, all you got to do is just have, you know, more than one kid running around your house. It could be chaos. All you got to do is just have more than two people living in the house and it's chaos. All you gotta- to do is just have more than you or sometimes you are the chaos yes you are the chaos you you're the embodiment so so sometimes it can be chaos and a conflict can just mean a disagreement chaos can mean dysfunction or there can be crisis and when there's crisis that's a bigger storm because a crisis storm can cause such deep division that it could destroy your family that that the storms of crisis it it could destroy it could break the it could break the mind it could cause you to say i don't know if i can trust family anymore i don't know if i can trust relationships i don't know if i can give this another try or not because there are many storms that affect the home and because there's there's a there's, there's there's one who causes the storms sin causes the storms it could be sin and satan the one attacking the family, that doesn't want your marriage, that doesn't want raising kids, that doesn't want the relationship between you and your siblings or you and your parents to be healthy and functional and flourishing and fruitful. There are storms that come. You know, I'm not a meteorologist, but I heard that what causes a storm is when high pressure and low pressure collide. So, in the atmosphere, when there 's high pressure and there 's low pressure, it can cause a storm and so, you can be a Christian, you can be reading your Bible, you believe in God, you, you know you say your prayers before you eat your cheese sandwich. I mean, like you 're so committed to god that 's high pressure right but there 's the low pressure of sin there 's the low pressure of satan there 's the low pressure of evil forces, there are low pressures of broken systems and institutions in society that doesn 't want your family to flourish or be functional or to be fruitful. And it's the low pressure colliding with the high pressure of how you want to live that can cause a storm. You can say hallelujah, you can read your Bible, you can pray, it will not keep your family from storms because there's low pressure. There's something from beneath that's trying to attack how you're trying to live above. You're trying to say, you're like, I don't mess with nobody. I don't want nobody messing with me. I, you know what I mean? I don't tell other people's kids what to do. I don't want them to get my business. And yet, There's low pressure that causes storms. So how do you deal with it? Storms in the family, storms in marriage, storms with parents, storms with siblings, children. You know, uh, I don't know if this is true. I, I mean, I've lived in California now for 13 years, but I'm originally from Minnesota. My apologies to the 49er fans for last Monday night, but you got a chance today. It was a miracle. I'll be honest, 49er fans. I was, I, I was there watching the game with a bunch of 49er fans. I didn't think Minnesota Vikings could do it. I'll be honest. But I did pray a lot during the game. I said, look at God. Every time I prayed, 49ers did something wrong and the Vikings did something right. I should pray more often. We only got three wins. So I should pray more often. We ain't got no Super Bowls like y'all. I should pray more often. But uh, that, that had nothing to do with the sermon. What I was trying to say is I'm from Minnesota. So, I I don't see this as often in California, but because we have four real seasons in Minnesota, and winter is the longest, I mean, there are tornadoes in Minnesota, there are bad rainstorms in Minnesota. There are blizzards in Minnesota. There are ice storms in Minnesota. There are so many kinds of storms in Minnesota that you can look at houses and you can build a brand new house in Minnesota, but soon, within the first five years, you can see the signs of storm damage. You can look at the outside of the house and you can see storms have had an impact on this house. The same is true, even though we can't see the dents and the bruises. It it could be that you're walking around with storm damage in your soul from something you went through in your family, something you went through in your home, something that you grew up with. And, And so it's possible that you can have storm damage. Now this is not to just put all families on trial. You may be here and I would say praise God to that. I have some testimonies too of ways in which the reason you believe in God, the reason you pray, the reason you worship, the reason you read your Bible, the reason you went to college, the reason you're doing well in your career, the reason is because you grew up in a good family and your family passed down blessings, not curses. Praise God. But it is possible to even grow up in a godly family and still have storm damage so what do we do how do we navigate how do we weather the storms that come in our families oh I'm glad you want to know and James I read from the book of James James was one of the brothers of Jesus so you would think If James was in Jesus's family, James was one of the brothers of Jesus, you would think that was the greatest family ever. Nope. Even the earthly family of Jesus had conflicts. The earthly family of Jesus had storms. And so maybe the reason why James in his book, he spends so much time talking about resolving conflicts, dealing with trials, dealing with suffering, dealing with pain, dealing with storms, is because he saw up close storms that occurred, conflicts that occurred even in the earthly family of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son. Son of God. That's what God did when he sent his son Jesus down here. He put him in the midst of the storms of family. He said, you know what? I'm going to show you how committed I am to saving people, to saving the family, to redeeming the family, to bringing the family to me in intimate relationship that I'm going to take my only begotten son and I'm going to put him in a human earthly family. I'm going to take the one without sin and put him in a sinful family. I'm going to take the one who is pure and righteous, and I'm going to put him in an unrighteous household so that when Jesus gets to the cross, we can really believe that Jesus died for all of our sins because Jesus was in all of our experiences. You can't say, Jesus don't understand what it's like to be in a house. Yes, he does. Jesus don't understand what it's like to be poor. Yes, he does. Jesus don't know what it's like to be on government assistance. Yes, he does. He does. Jesus know what it's like to cross the border. Yes, he does. Jesus don't know what it's like to be incarcerated. Yes, he does. Jesus has experienced every storm that you could go through. Every storm you could go through, Jesus experienced it, and here's his brother James writing about it. And can I just tell you something about I'm going to get back to this text, I promise. I'm, I'm going to get you to brunch, I promise. Uh, uh, here's the funny thing about learning about family storms from James. James, I told you, is the brother of Jesus. But do you know that James didn't believe his brother Jesus was the Savior? Now think about that for a minute. He grew up with Jesus. Maybe, I don't know, you know, could you imagine if your brother was Jesus? Could you imagine that? You've you seen all these miracles he's doing? He's like my brother thinks he all that. He turned water to wine. I could take this packet and some water and make some Kool-Aid. He ain't nothing. I can make sweet tea. So what, Jesus? You turn water to wine. I can make sweet tea. Ah, I don't believe it. All the miracles Jesus did, his own earthly brother, people that wasn't even related to Jesus believed in Jesus before his own brother believed in Jesus. I wonder what kind of storms they had in that family. I wonder what kind of conflicts they had in that family. I wonder what kind of arguments was in that family. And it wasn't just James. You can just pick on James. You know, even though angels showed up to Mary, his mother, There were still times when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. Jesus was doing something to represent that he's the Messiah. And his own mother was like, that boy needs to come back home. Where is he? What what is he doing today? His own earthly father. Even though, again, angelic forces from heaven came to Joseph to say, this is who you're going to be raising as your own earthly child. You're going to be raising the Messiah. You you ain't even married yet, and your fiancé is already pregnant. It's a miracle she's pregnant with the Savior of the universe. Can you deal with that? You would have thought that would have been the perfect heavenly family, and it wasn't. They had storms. James didn't believe Jesus was the Savior until he died and rose. Yeah, that's right. So if you were to read John, the gospel of John chapter 7, that's the proof in the Bible that James and his other brothers did not believe Jesus was who he said he was, even though they were the same family. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 7, you'll find that that's where Paul says when Jesus came out of the grave, he went and showed himself to people, including his brother James. So even after Jesus died on the cross, rose out of the grave, before he went up to heaven to be with the heavenly father, he had to go find James and say, see, all this time, you didn't know it was me. And at that moment, That's when James like, you are the son of God. You are the savior. And James went on to be a preacher. James went on to be a pastor. James went on to plant churches. James went on to write this letter about family conflict. So maybe like James, you came late to the party believing in Jesus. Maybe you didn't grow up a Christian. Maybe even right now you're wondering if this whole Christian thing is for you. Is it for your marriage? Is it for your family? Is it for you? You know, maybe like James, it's time to go, yes, I believe in Jesus and I need Jesus for the storms of my life. I need God to deal with the storms of my house so... Why should you let God into your family storms? Why? Why would you do that? Now, before I get into these points real quick, I want to say to you, some family storms, they're going to need more than just a sermon from your pastor. Some storms, you're going to need more, even though I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in it. But there's some family storms, you might need therapy. There's some family storms, you might need a counselor. There's some family storms. You might need a grief support group. I want you to go on our website. I want you to go on our church website after this service because we point you to a number of services. We, we raise resources so that we can help people that don't have the resources to get a therapist or to get a counselor. Or you don't even know where to start to find a therapist or a counselor. At this church, we help you get that. We help connect you. I believe in Jesus, but I believe in therapy and take your medicine, too. I believe in that, too. Some of the stuff in your house might mean mandatory reporting. It might mean that you can't keep living by what happens in this house, stays in this house, and we don't talk about what goes on in this house. No, some storms, you're going to have to go outside the house to get the help that you need. We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app, but let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it, and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode. Okay, now that I got the tater tots and the wings and the nachos out the way, now we're going to get to the entree. So I'm gonna be. this is going to go quick, but this is going to be the collard greens, the macaroni and cheese, the yams, the fried catfish, the cornbread with honey and butter on it with a tall glass of sweet tea. And if God is willing, we're going to have warm peach cobbler with three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream melting off the side of the bowl. If you didn't know what you was eating today, I just came to your rescue. I just gave you some help. Some of y'all, it's just going to be a sandwich, but it's, so I, I, I have nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with that. So why should you let God into your family storms? One, because God matures and strengthens our family in storms. God matures and strengthens our family in storms. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Why let God into your family storms, your conflicts, your chaos, your crisis? Because God can mature and strengthen your family. God can sustain your family in storms. We just got to admit it. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to keep our families together in storms. Some people have tried all they could. Some of you, you tried. You tried to keep your marriage together. You tried to keep all your kids going down the right path. You tried to keep the relationships with your siblings. Some of us grew up feeling like we had to be the savior of our family. Some of us grew up with the pressure of like I want to be good so that my mom and dad stay together. I want to be good so that all my siblings are all good. I felt like I was only 12 and I had to raise my siblings like I was the parent. And so Some of us we tried, but you don't have the power. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much money you make. You can have a PhD in psychology and sociology. You, I don't have the power in and of myself to keep my family safe, to keep my family together, to keep my family strong in a storm. I need help. I need God. And God will not only help you in a storm, God will grow you in a storm. God will mature you in a storm. Every time time you experience a storm, it should give you more wisdom on what to do in a storm. Like every time a storm hit, one or two things should happen. Either you should go, now that I experienced that, I know what to do. Or you call on God. <laughs> There's some storms out there. You know what? I moved to California and somebody tried to talk to me about earthquake insurance. And I was like, say what? Because I'm from Minnesota. I had never felt no earthquake before. But I thought to myself, if you're just standing there and the earth open up, what, what all state gonna do? What? <laughs> I mean, when the, when, the, when the earth opened up, what am I supposed to do? Liberty, 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 liberty. Lord, no, you're going to say, Lord Jesus. You're going to start calling God every name. Alpha Omega, Prince of Peace, wheel in the middle of the wheel. El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Ternisi. You're going to start just praying stuff you forgot about praying. Our Father out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Sometimes it's okay to be in a storm and say, the only thing I know to do is cry out to God. The only thing I know to do is fall on my knees. The only thing I know to do is go to the word for counsel. The only thing I know to do is find me some other godly people to be surrounded by. God matures. God strengthens our families. At the crossroad of conflict, you can choose to grow. And and James gives us the areas where we can grow. Perseverance, which means there's some trees that are strong enough to stand in the midst of the storm. Why not let your family be that tree? The reason some trees—this this is what I heard—some trees are able to withstand storms based on how far the roots go down. In in cities like Chicago, in New York, what they do when they're building tall buildings—I didn't even realize this—they have to go deep into the ground in order for the buildings to stand tall. You have to root yourself in something solid. You have to have a firm foundation. You have to have something deep on the inside that nobody can see, so that when they see you on the outside, they know why you're standing so tall. It's what people can't see that determines the, the how solid What they can see is in a storm. God matures and strengthens our family. Point two, why let God into your family storms? Because God doesn't tempt, but God might test our family in the midst of storms. This is what James says, chapter one, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. That's a storm. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't Be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not like shadows. He chose to give us birth through the Word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Man, there's there's so much rich stuff right there. So let me let me just say this: Uh, what you see here is there's a difference between temptation and testing. There's a difference between temptation and testing. And James says, God does not tempt us. God might be testing us. And that testing is leading us to an understanding of the eternal reward that God has for us, which means the more tests that we make our way through, the more we're experiencing the testimony of what we're on our way to. Uh, i got to say it again. The more testing that we experience and what we're going through, we understand more clearly the ultimate reward of what we're going to. You're going to heaven. You're going one day to a place where there will be no storms. One day you are going to a place where there will be no disease, no poverty, no sickness, no discrimination, no violence, no brokenness, no heartache, no anxiety, no stress. And the tests that we go through down here are tests that can shape us and make us look more like who we're going to be in eternity. That's what it means when it says of the first fruits of what he created. It's saying when God first created the family, there was supposed to be no sin in that family. And when God created Adam and Eve, the first family was supposed to be an intimate relationship with God, made in the image of God, beloved by God, to flourish and subdue and to rule over everything that God created. This is the first fruit of the first family. So how did that go wrong? Because they were tempted by a serpent and dragged away by their own evil desires, they looked at the fruit and said, it does look good. God said we shouldn't eat it, but it does look good. It does look pleasing. Everything that look good ain't God. Everything that's pleasing ain't connected to your purpose. That's, so, so, so this text is taking us all the way back to Genesis to say, God doesn't tempt, but God might test. And you would say, well, why would God test me? That ain't right. What are you talking about? You live in a world of tests. Some of you got your job because you passed the test sometime before. You got degrees because you had to pass the test. You got your diploma because you passed the test. You got your driver's license because you passed the test. I don't know how many times it took you. Man, that parallel parking. Woo-wee! That parallel parking part. How many things... Do you just now take for granted that you had to graduate to get? You've taken for granted your graduations. That's the difference between temptation and testing. Temptation is meant for destruction. Testing is meant for graduation. God doesn't want to destroy your marriage. God doesn't want to destroy your mind. God doesn't want you destroyed. God just wants you to graduate. God wants you to matriculate. God wants you to mature. God wants you to have the skills, the wisdom, the knowledge necessary for your family to be whole, for you to be whole. God doesn't tempt, but God might test our family. Finally, why let God get into the family storms One, because God matures and strengthens our family. Two, God doesn't tempt, but God might test our family. And finally, God has a word for our family if we're willing to listen. God has a word for our family if we're willing to listen. James 1 verse 19, it says, My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law. That's the word of God that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Wow. It's a lot there. It's a lot there. God has a word for our family. God has a word. Everyone should be quick to listen. That's a word. Slow to speak. I, I get paid to run my mouth. Man, that's a, that's a word for me. That's a word for me. Listen. God, God bless me. I should be able to listen good. God, God did bless me. But man, this right here, this right here, this right here. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. I've had to learn over the years with my wife, Danisha, she might say amen when I say this, she might say amen, that, um, that I when, when we get into a, a conflict, my, my initial response is not to close my mouth and listen. That's not, that's not, I, I, I had to learn that over time. I've had to let God do and I'm still learning it. I'm still learning it, that, that to, to listen, because I used to think when me and my wife had a disagreement, I used to think the goal was for me to win the disagreement. That's what I thought the goal was. I thought the goal was if she would just realize I was right, we could move forward. That's what I thought. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I realized when my wife and I are in a disagreement, the goal is not for me to win but for we to win, for us to win. So I had to get that out of my mind. Why would I think God allows conflict in my marriage so I can defeat my wife in the conflict? What kind of marriage is that? We keeping score? Just, uh, just so you know, this is my record. Well, If, it, if I was keeping score in my way, I wouldn't want to put my record up. No way. But the goal It's not for me to win. Why would I want to defeat my wife? Why would I want to defeat my kids? Why would I want to defeat my parents? Why would I want to defeat my siblings? Why why do you want a house where people are in competition with one another? We got enough battles outside our house to be battling one another in our house. We got enough fights out here. And if you look like me, it took us a while to fight hard enough to even get a family in the first place for us. Because when we started in this nation, the whole nation was against us having a family. So the fact that people that look like me even have any kind of semblance of a functional family is a testimony of God. I shouldn't be fighting against my family. I should be fighting for my family. Because God has a word. God has a word. I got to be slow to speak. Slow to become angry because, now here's a difference. It says human anger because there is a righteous anger. There are some things in this world that should cause Christians to be angry, but there's a difference between human anger and righteous anger. Human anger can lead you to destruction. It can lead you to violence. It can lead you to murderous thoughts. It can, human anger can lead you to something destructive. Godly anger can lead you to something divine. So he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil. That means that my anger from the past has created filth. It's created garbage. You, you ever see that show Hoarders? Where people got... People got stuff all over you. Can't even get from one room to the other room. Like you, it, like hoarders, like you could physically see they can't throw stuff away. They won't get rid of stuff. They just won't get rid of stuff. It's like room after room. You could have thrown this away. And that tonka trucks ain't even a thing no more. Why well, you still got tonka trucks here? That, is that still a thing? Is that why, why you got a TV with an antenna, or two antennas on it? That, that, what is that? It, it's with, no, some people can't throw stuff away. But you know what? Some of us are spiritually hoarding. We're mentally and emotionally hoarding. Somebody did something seven years ago and we still won't throw it away. And we keep stacking it up. So I, I said I forgave you. I said it's all right. It's all good. It's cool. I love you. No, 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 no. But as soon as they do something else that don't even have nothing to do with what they did eight years ago, you, we find out you still had that stored somewhere. Some of us are emotional Hoarders. Okay, I'm just talking about me. Y'all all righteous and Christian, so it's just me. Y'all saying it's just me. I'm the one who's been hoarding stuff against my family members. And I need to throw that away. For my own freedom. For my own health. I can't change nobody, but I want to be free. Ha. Ah. There's some stuff you just got to throw it away over time. God has a word for your family. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Verse 22, do what it says. Listening for God and truly listening to one another will help us get through storms. When storms hit your house, listen for God. I, my, my family, old school. So my dad's from Monroe, Louisiana. My mama's from Birmingham, Alabama. So when I used to go down to Monroe and stay with my grandparents, when a storm came, my grandmother made us turn everything off. We had to turn the TV off just because it's raining. I used to get mad when I saw a cloud. I tell you, because I, I said I ain't even going to get to see Soul Train. Because I got so mad, I just get so mad, I ain't even going to get to see Starsky and Hutch because, man, it's been ready to rain because I know what my grandma was going to do. Some of y'all was like, what's Starsky and Hutch? Ask somebody that look like me. <laughs> I ain't even going to see Six Million Dollar Man because the storm is coming. Because as soon as the storm came, my grandma was like, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, and this is what she would say, God is talking. Huh. He wasn't talking when the sun was out. I couldn't say that because I something (laughs) be waiting on me. I couldn't I couldn't say nothing. I just, yes, ma'am, that's all I could say. All I could say was (laughs) it's off. She even, we turned the lights off. And just sat there through the storm. Even though I was nervous and I was scared, the wind was raging. My grandmother believed that God talked in storms. God talked through storms. Maybe the best thing to do when you're navigating a storm is to say, everybody, can we just take a pause and let God talk? Can God say, peace be still? I heard in the New Testament a story of a storm raging and Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the disciples and others on the boat were shocked that there could be a storm raging. They were scared. Are we going to live through it? Have you ever had such a shaking that you didn't know if your marriage could live through it, if your kids could live through it, if your mind could live through it, if your heart could live through it? And all of a sudden, Jesus, what I like about God is God speaks in storms, but God don't have to say a whole lot. He can just say, peace. Be still. God, God can do something to your family just by saying, shh. God can heal you with a hush. <laughs> he can save you with a shh. can transform your whole family. Sometimes, sisters and brothers, as I close, um, our family storms take on more than just what God can do with our immediate family. Sometimes when your family's going through a storm, it's an opportunity to realize God's family is bigger than your family. Um, my oldest brother, Fontes, uh, he, um, he married a few years ago my sister-in-law. Her name Curvis, that's, that's her name, Curvis. So, so Fontes and Curvis got married, and so... Uh, you, you can tell I'm in an African American family. So, so Fontes and Curvis got, got married. So anyway, uh, Fontes and Curvis got married. But when they were engaged, we had a little family get together when they were engaged. And so it just so happened my my wife was there and uh, my my in laws were there at this little gathering. And so Curvis saw my mother in law, and and we realized when when we met Curvis, I was like, wait a minute. I know her she used to work at the Montessori school where we used to take our kids so I was like oh I know who she is that's awesome that's awesome my my brother's marrying somebody I already know my older brother's marrying somebody I know her that's awesome but when she saw my mother-in-law she started to cry and I was like I wonder what's going on between them two and so she said that when she first moved up to Minnesota from the South, she was in an abusive relationship. And she was scared for her life, and she was scared for her kids' life. And so one night, in the middle of the night, while her abusive husband was asleep, she quietly packed up stuff, told her kids to be quiet. They were in such a storm. She grabbed the kids and grab whatever they could grab without making noise. And they just went out into the community. They they went on the other side of town. I don't know what this woman was looking for. And something told her just to go up to this house. And she went up to the house with her kids and rang the doorbell. The woman that answered the door was my wife's grandmother. So my wife's grandmother without even a whole lot of conversation just looked at this woman and could tell that her and her kids were in a family storm and so she let them in she gave them cover she fed them she took care that's why when she saw my mother-in-law tears started to run down her face because she remembered when she was in a family storm, she found cover. That's what some of y'all need to do. In a storm, you got to find cover. You got to get underneath something. You got to get, get underneath something when there's a storm. Some of y'all have been trying to cover yourself. God's trying to give you cover. Are you willing to put your family under the covering of God? Are you willing to put your children and your grandchildren, your spouse that doesn't even go to church yet, just pray them under the covering of God? Why are you out in the storm with no umbrella? Why are you out there getting drenched with no covering? My my people from the South, so I can't keep this on too long because they told me you ain't even supposed to do that, so I'd... I just gave y'all that point, but pray for me because I want want the rest of my day to go well. I come from Louisiana. They said you ain't supposed to do that. But you understand what I'm trying to say. Get your family under the cover of God. But I also want to close and say this. That's what the church is supposed to be. When Curvis found my wife's grandmother's house. That was God using a Christian home as cover. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's what Midtown Elk Grove desires to be, a covering for the people of God, a covering for lost people, a covering for the broken, a covering for the disherited, a covering for the hurting. We want to be a church of hope, health, And healing. And that starts with the family. So I said this when I preached a week ago at the Sacramento campus, and I want to say it here. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. If you're hurting, welcome home. If you're teary-eyed, welcome home. If you've been trying to do manhood by yourself, welcome home. We got a men's group for you. If you've been trying to live out life as a woman on your own, welcome home. We got a women's ministry for you. If you've been trying to do marriage by yourself, welcome home. We got marriage enrichment classes here. If you've been trying to deal with your trauma on your own, welcome home. We got access to therapists at this church. If you've been trying to pray by yourself, welcome home. We got a prayer team at Midtown Elk Grove. Whatever it is, welcome home. Welcome home. You don't have to sing like Dorothy, I wish I was home. Talk about Black Dorothy. Remember Black Dorothy from the Wiz? Black Dorothy. Say, I wish I was home. I wish you, you don't have to wish. You home. So I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward if they would. I'm going to ask Pastor Tyrone and some of the, the leaders to come forward. Because maybe for you, you've been in the storm too long. That was an old gospel song they used to sing when I was a kid. I've been in the storm too long. And if that's you, and you know that you need the covering of God in any way, I just want you to stand where you are, because we're just going to close in prayer. We ain't going to make you do nothing. We ain't going to ask you nothing about your business. We just, we just, first of all, we do not want to know we ain't crazy, that we goes like, like, I believe there are people in the house that need the covering of God. We don't need to know why, We don't need to know for how long. We don't need to know how long you've been going through it. But if you know that as I close in prayer, this prayer is for you, and you need the covering of God in any way for your house, for your family, for your siblings, for your parents, for your children that don't live with you anymore, if you need covering, just stand, just stand, just stand, just stand. I need cover. I need need cover. cover. I need 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 cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Father God, we give you our families. We can't weather the storms in our own power. We can't weather the storms in our own strength. We need you, God. Cover us with your grace. Cover us with your love. Cover us with your peace. Cover us with your truth. Cover us with your salvation. Cover us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. If there's anybody here that has not accepted you as Lord and Savior, we pray that today would be their day, that they would say, yes, I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, came to earth, died on the cross, rose from the grave, that I might have eternal life and be freed from sin and have new life right now. Ah, this is the day to get your coverage right. So let it be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much for tuning into Midtown Church. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope, health, and healing in your life. Want to get more connected to Midtown Church? Just visit us online at midtownchurch.org.